0: Welcome to Engage, the podcast show for business owners and managers who are passionate about developing people and growing a successful business. And now here's your host, Alistair Booth from the HR booth. Welcome to Engage. My name is Alistair Booth and I'm your host for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, if you've not listened before, then thanks for, for tuning in. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there to, to choose from. Um, and if you haven't listened before, then feel free to listen to some of the earlier editions of Engage, where I give a detailed background on my kind of, experience. So you'll find more about me and the HR booth, the, the business that I run. If you're a regular listener, then thanks for, for tuning in again. Uh, we hit a bit of a milestone recently where there's been over a thousand listens to the podcast. So so that's great so really appreciate your, your support uh, in terms of listening to the podcast and also the feedback that i've received uh, i'd also like to mention gail who reached out after the last podcast on the benefits of hiring a modern apprentice uh, gail got in touch just to, to get a bit more information on how to go about hiring an apprentice for for her own business so thanks for reaching out gail i really um, appreciate that so been lots happening in the, the hr booth world over the, the last few weeks. Um, You possibly recall in the the, the previous edition around the the benefits of hiring a modern apprentice that I was actually going through that process of interviewing and selecting a candidate. So, delighted to confirm that Emma Campbell has recently joined HR Booth as as an admin assistant uh, through the kind of modern apprentice route. So, Emma's going to be working in the business uh, probably for the the kind of next year or so at least, uh, completing an SVQ level three in business and administration. Um, And then there's a kind of detailed training plan that she's going to complete uh, in the business so really great having Emma on board and that's really kind of helped me out over the the last couple of weeks as well Uh, it's been quite challenging having to spend you know give up give up some kind of client facing time to spend time in the office um, and making sure that Emma's got that support but trying to practice what I preach around induction and training uh, and so far that that has gone well and it's also been a busy time uh, moving office um so moved into a kind of a bigger office um which is which is great uh, not far fra- from my house and it's been a busy time getting the office ready in terms of uh, furniture equipment broadband connectivity decorating the office, etc. So there's been lots of things to do. Um, so it's been a bit of a challenge trying to juggle that uh, and bring Emma on board, train Emma and, and also trying to manage the, the clients that we have. So it has been a, a busy old time. Uh, but things are going well. And, you know, it's, it's definitely heading in the, in the right direction. And it was great, actually, the, the office move, lots of, of kind of support from family and friends which was, was really encouraging. I, I haven't really regarded myself as a, as a family business, although I work with a lot of family businesses, uh, but obviously moving office, uh, it was impossible to, to do everything myself, so it was great getting getting some support. Uh, my wife, my mum and my mother-in-law all helped kinda with the, the office cleaning before we could get decorated. Um, and my father-in-law, Dave, he took ownership of doing the painting and then me and my dad we were involved in, in kind of building the furniture moving furniture and and also a good friend chris um who, who I do some work with he gave up a saturday morning to kind of help us get the the furniture and, and a van so there's been lots What's going on, and also John Young for giving giving uh, giving me the use of his van one one Saturday morning as well. So there's been lots of things on the go. So it's been been a challenging old time, but it's been great, and really feel at home in the new office. Got more workspace, feel more productive, um, and clients have actually been coming in and, and kind of seeing me here, which is kind of saving quite a bit of my time. So that that's been great. So just wanted to kind of share a, a kind of quick intro in terms of what's what's been going going on in the in the business the last the last few weeks. Um, so today's podcast is on how to conduct a disciplinary hearing. Uh, over the last kind of few weeks, I've you know been getting involved in, in more and more of these. Uh, it does seem to go through phases where. You know, there, there might be occasions where, you know, businesses don't really have many disciplinaries on the go. And then, you know, you'll you get a point where there might be kind of two or three in kind of quick uh, succession. And and what I've been founding, finding over the last few weeks is that, you know, I've been getting involved in, in more and more of these with, with some of my clients. And some of that has kind of kind of brought me to today's podcast. Really just wanted to kind of share some of the, the kind of findings around that. But also, you know, I'm, I'm a great believer than sort of a great believer that thinking prevention is, is better than, than cure, and, and certainly I've, I've been trying to do that through the podcasts and, and various other um, platforms that I communicate with with my, my audience and my clients is, is to try and kind of be more proactive around how you, you manage people um, and engage is very much about that in terms of the the, the kind of podcast we share some good good practice, uh, but obviously it doesn't always work, and th- there are going to be occasions where you. May have to take disciplinary action, whether that's in relation to misconduct, poor performance or or absence. Uh, But what I have found over the the last couple of weeks, some of the the cases that I've been involved in, there is a possibility that I think they could have... uh, Avoided getting to that stage so what I want to do today is just really spend maybe 15 minutes or so just talking through some some good practice steps that you could take to perhaps avoid a disciplinary but if if it does get to a discipline procedure then what I want to do is kind of talk through that that process that you, you would have to kind of go through uh, just to make sure that you're, you're following the, the correct guidelines. So one of the examples that I had was a kind of misconduct related issue uh, and it's a small business um Probably about seven, eight full-time employees, then a couple of kind of directors and a couple of managers on, on top of that. And it's been quite a relaxed business. Um, it's, you know, been going, going a number of years, quite a laid-back approach. Most of the people in the business are, are friends and the recruitment process in the past is, has generally been... Kind of referral base so you know for employees at work there kind of recommending a friend to, to come in uh, and that's been fine to a point but the business is, has got some kind of challenges to, to try and meet this year and they have kind of tried they're trying to kind of mature as, a, as an organization uh, i was brought in last year to help formalize some of the, the policies and procedures they're taking a more proactive approach around staff development uh, bringing in performance management appraisal etc so we've been doing things like that to try and help drive the business forward uh, but I guess one, one of the challenges for, for them has been that that's fine on paper, but some of the practices on a, on a day-to-day basis have perhaps contradicted what they're, they're kind of saying. So there's perhaps been a lack of clarity around, you know, what's acceptable and, and what's not. So whilst we've formalised some of the policies and procedures, some of the day-to-day activity hasn't really been formalised. And, and what I mean by that is things like people perhaps using uh, company equipment for, for personal use, Maybe the use of, of mobile phones and, and computer systems, etc. So in the past it has been quite a laid-back approach. And whilst the, the business has rolled out, you know, the, these new you know, policies and procedures, we perhaps not kind of covered exactly what we mean by that in terms of use of mobile phones, use of uh, company equipment for personal use and things like that. So these things have still kind of carried on. And what, what happened with one of the the, the issues was that you know, someone had used the company property for, for for personal use, and that had then you know on you know that that can kind of happened. It had been highlighted, and on on this specific day when it had been highlighted, not really anything had had taken place immediately. So there was a bit of you know probably a little bit of banter around it, uh, jovial kind of you know comment, and then can kind of later on in the day you know another manager had, had found out what had happened. And followed the the, the, the kind of rulebook, if you like, and says, well, that actually warrants a, a formal investigation and a potential disciplinary process. Um, so at that point, that's what they then decided to do. But where it has become a bit clouded is the fact that it hadn't been addressed immediately. The, the other manager who'd been involved hadn't kind of taken any, any action immediately and, and had perhaps made a kind of laugh and a joke about it. So what then happened is the individual had, had gone through a, a kind of formal process. Um, so the, there was an investigation that had been carried out. The individual who had made the, the alleged misconduct, he was feeling quite stressed about the whole situation, thinking he was going to lose his job. But a time delay as well in terms of going through the investigation and the, the formal disciplinary. Uh, and the outcome of that was that there was a formal warning issued and we then had to kind of go back to that individual and make very clear what is acceptable and what's not, but also communicate that across the, the, the wider business. And I guess... What, what I'm trying to say is that perhaps if on that specific day it had been handled a little bit differently and, you know, I'm not saying not to have taken any action and made a laugh and a joke about it, but I think what should have happened is that there could have been a conversation taking place and just reminded the individual around what's acceptable and what's not. But what... what it did highlight is that kind of managers all have to be kind of singing off the, the same page. And that is a, is a real challenge in, in a small business, but also in a large business where you've got a number of um, employees and a number of managers perhaps working different shifts. And it's this whole aspect around consistency. So if you've got an employee handbook, policies and procedures or, or a code of conduct, something that outlines what processes and what, you know, what behaviour is acceptable in the workplace, managers really need to be consistent in that approach and applying that because if, if they're not, that's where issues are, are, are going to arise and, you know, individuals are going to have a kind of mixed message around what, what is acceptable and what's not. So it's fine having something written down, but it's what you really apply on a day to day basis. So really important that you make sure that your management team are being consistent and and treating people in exactly the same way because you might have, you know, manager X, for example, might be really proactive and follow the guidelines, but manager Y, for example, comes in the next day and does something different. So it sends out a mixed message to, to your employees, but also from a consistency point of view, there might be an issue that if one individual has been taken through a process and someone else hasn't, it makes it really, really difficult for you to take action against someone if... In the past, and certainly in the recent past, you've not applied that. So whilst I think it's great to have rule books, policies, procedures, etc. demonstrating what the, the guidelines are, you really need to make sure your management team are applying that and and you yourself as as a business owner and director uh, in this particular uh, case perhaps they were were a bit too involved and I think need to take a step back and really trust and empower the managers to kind of manage the people on on a day to day basis and I know that's quite a challenge for business owners and and directors um, especially if if it's your business you've built the business up uh, you've got a management team in now so you need to kind of take that step back and really make sure that the Managers are managing the people because again, you may actually have to step in uh, an appeal process, and if you've got involved in the investigation and the disciplinary, it's very difficult for you then to remain impartial at any appeal. So, key thing there is is, is to make sure there is some consistency, uh, but also train your your line managers on you know kind of basic HR management techniques and, and certainly how to conduct an effective disciplinary hearing. Uh, and there's lots of kind of resources out there. Um, I've obviously got some resources on the HR Booth website and I'll I'll put some links in the show notes which you can refer to as well so ACAS I've got some good guidelines on that as well so there'll be some useful um, resources to to follow in in the show notes so I I would really encourage you to to take some time to to read through that. So I'd like to just spend a a few minutes just kind of discussing the the process that you would follow in the event of a, a disciplinary in the workplace. So I've mentioned there, I'm going to put a link to the ACAS um, Code of Practice on, on the show notes. So they really have a kind of Code of Practice which employers should follow. And, and in the in, in the, the Code of Practice, it sets out the requirements for a fair disciplinary procedure. So I would always advise that if you've got your own staff in, in the business, you're employing people, that you should always have your own disciplinary procedure which you know may be within your employee handbook or if you don't have an employee handbook certainly make sure you've got a, a kind of formal disciplinary procedure and that your employees are fully aware of you know that, that, that process that, that would be followed. What ACAS would look for in in terms of the, the code of practice is that you have followed that code. And if you haven't, then it could potentially make any dismissal unfair. And that all gets taken into account at any potential employment tribunal. So, really important that if you don't have your own procedure, that you certainly take reference to what ACAS advise and that you follow the guidelines set out there. So, what do you actually need to do if there is a, a disciplinary hearing? So really, there's a, a kind of few a few steps that you need to follow along the way. The first thing before you get to that stage, uh, so whether it's a, an allegation of misconduct, uh, what you would want to then do is carry out a formal investigation in, in relation to, to that matter. So quite often, I'll, I'll see businesses who will jump straight to a disciplinary hearing, uh, haven't really investigated the, the matter properly. I'll then turn up potentially and get involved at the disciplinary, and then when you you start kind of you know, piecing things together, you, you, you can establish that the matter could have been resolved before it got to that stage. So the investigation has perhaps not been as, as thorough or as robust as, as it should be. So that, that would be the, the, the first kind of call of action, is to investigate the, 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 the issue. So if it's a, an issue of misconduct, what you would be wanting to do there is perhaps get a, a statement from the individual who's made the alleged breach of misconduct Um, and then potentially uh, witness statements from other people who may have uh, witnessed the the alleged incident or were involved in in, in that process. Now, depending on the seriousness of the the matter, you may actually need to suspend the individual uh, to conduct that that investigation. Now, suspension itself does not necessarily mean that you're going to take formal action. That is really to protect the, the individual and also to protect the business. So if it was something really serious and... You know, you you feel that you need to kind of protect the business, then it might be safer to suspend that person. Um, and I would always advise to do that on on full pay, um, and normally up to a maximum of of five days, um, which allows you time to investigate the, the matter fully. Uh, the individual, if they are suspended, should be given that in writing, and there should be some terms of reference there around what you know what should be followed in the you know during that suspension. So that might include things like you know not coming into the workplace, not uh, contacting any colleagues who may be involved in. in the process um, and not trying to influence the investigation in any way. And they'd also need to make sure that that they're available to attend work eh, if required to perhaps have an investigation or a potential disciplinary hearing. So all that should be kind of confirmed in, in writing. And then during the investigation, what you'll be doing is, is kind of capturing notes, etc. So you'll be doing statements. You might be reviewing CCTV footage. You might be getting statements from customers, third parties, etc. So all of that is all part of your evidence gathering. And then once you've kind of reviewed all that information, you've then got a decision to make whether it does warrant some kind of formal action or if. It could actually be dealt with in a, in a kind of face-to-face discussion. Um, so that's the key thing: is, is, is kind of doing the, the kind of witness statements early on in the in the process, um, and, and getting all that kind of captured before you kind of make a decision on, on what steps you're going to you're going to take. So if you get to a point where you do believe that it has to go to a disciplinary hearing, what you then need to do is send a letter to the individual who is is, is going to be invited to that that investi- uh, disciplinary hearing. So as part of that, what they would need to get is details of the allegation that has, that has been made. Uh, you should also include any statements that have been captured during the, the process. So all the information that you've captured as part of the, the investigation. I would always advise to have carried out an investigation with an individual as well. So any notes from them as part of that investigation, that should be sent out with the invite letter. You want to confirm the date, time and place of the meeting. Uh, They also have the right to be accompanied. So that would either be with a colleague in the business or if they're a member of a trade union, a trade union official who's certified to represent them at, at such meetings. And I would always advise to give, my, my view would be at least three days notice. I know some companies and, and the procedures might have 24 hours notice. For me, that's not not long enough. It it's doesn't give the individual enough time to prepare. Um, if you're following a, a kind of thorough process, they'll, they'll be given copies of all the documentation that's going to be presented and 24 hours just isn't enough time to read through all that information and, and prepare properly. So I would always advise at least three days, but where possible is perhaps up to five days notice and that gives the individual that, that chance to prepare in the letter, you should also state who's going to be present at the hearing. So that would be the chairperson and any other manager or an HR consultant who may be supporting. And then the individual who is been invited to the hearing should then confirm their attendance. And should confirm in the letter how to do that. So is that by telephone? Is it by email or or in writing? And they should also make you aware at that point who they're actually going to bring to the, the disciplinary hearing. So if it's uh, another employee, you need to know that for operational um, reasons so that you can make the necessary arrangements to make sure that that person can actually get the time off to to attend the hearing and there's no impact on the the service that you offer your your customers. So that's the the, the kind of starting point in terms of the letter that goes out. And then the, the person who's going to chair the meeting, so the chairperson, What he or she should then be doing is actually doing some preparation in advance of the hearing, so they should be looking over all the investigation notes. Ideally, that should be a different person who didn't conduct the the investigation, so they've not been involved up until now. And what they would then be doing is reviewing all that information from the investigation and preparing some questions in advance around what they're going to ask the individual employee. And they may also have to review any kind of previous warning. So perhaps looking at the kind of personnel file, just to see if there's anything else on file for anything similar in in the past. And obviously, if it's a a warning that's been issued in the past, um, then that should be removed if that warning has has lapsed. So that's the sort of things to to consider. And then when you get to the discipline hearing itself, the chairperson should welcome and introduce the, the people who are in attendance confirm the roles within the meeting. So chairperson would confirm that they're the the chairperson. And if you have an HR rep or uh, another manager taking notes, then you should be confirming that that person is the, the note taker and if there is a, a companion present then you should confirm what their role is within the, the actual formal formal hearing I, I would always advise that the, the, the employee and their, their companion can uh, confer during the meeting uh, the companion shouldn't really be answering questions on the individual's behalf but there's no issue with them calling an adjournment and conferring at any point and likewise you as the chairperson there's no issue with you calling an adjournment and conferring with your management rep whether that's uh, another manager Or or an HR colleague, so there's there's no issue with doing that during the the actual formal hearing itself. If the the employee doesn't have a a companion with them, then what you should also do as part of the introduction is confirm that they were given the right to be accompanied and that they are happy to continue without representation, and just make sure that that's documented within the minutes uh, because at a later date you may have to actually provide a, a copy of that. And then you would read out the allegation as it appears on the letter of invitation and explain that you're here to discuss that allegation. The process that you then follow is that you're going to listen to the employee's response and decide what action, if any, should be taken under the company's um, disciplinary procedure. Uh, and ask the, the employee at that stage if they've got any comments that they wish to make, uh, any, any comments in relation to the, the statements that were given, the evidence pack, etc. Uh, and if there are any uh, concerns around that process, then you document that in the minutes and, and, and kind of deal with that before you actually face into the uh, allegations concerned. Uh, and then at that point, what you would then do is ask the employee to recall in their own words what happened on the day explain the seriousness of their alleged behavior so if it's been a, an issue in relation to health and safety uh, something that perhaps put them at risk your colleagues at risk uh, your customers at risk then you need to make sure that that is, is captured in the, the formal discussion uh, and ask if there, you know if there's been a, a kind of previous history around that then you need to get that across as well and, and you're really looking for assurances of what they're going to do in in the future to you know avoid such behavior or, or conduct occurring because that's what the disciplinary process is about, it's really to try and correct, correct behaviour. Um, so you're, you're looking to try and obviously capture that during the, the meeting. You would perhaps ask if there's any kind of mitigating circumstances that caused that alleged behaviour. So that, that could be any issues at work, issues outside the work, anything that may have a, a factor on why they behaved that way on that, that specific day. And what you would then do is a journey meeting. Uh, I wouldn't advise that you kind of give the decision there and then because that looks like you've kind of prejudged it. Uh, what you then need to do is take some time and, and take stock of what's been discussed, review the notes with the the, the manager or the HR person who was with you, um, and then kind of review that versus what was captured as part of the investigation process. And then at that point, is is then come back to the individual and confirm what the outcome may be. Now, that may be a formal written warning, which would generally be on file for, for six months. It may be a final written warning, which is generally on file for for 12 months, or it may be dismissal. And dismissal could either be, if it's an an alleged offence of gross misconduct, then that would give you grounds to dismiss uh, without notice on the grounds of gross misconduct. Or if they're already in receipt of a final written warning for something similar, then you may actually be able to move that to the next stage in the process, which would be a dismissal. But that would not be gross misconduct. That would just be the next stage in your disciplinary um, procedure. Uh, And what you would do is confirm that verbally to the individual, but then make sure that's confirmed in in writing. If you're not taking any action, so you may decide that the allegations don't warrant any any formal disciplinary action, then again you need to confirm that in writing to the individual as well. If you have given a formal warning or you have dismissed, then what you need to then do is make sure the individual has the, the right of appeal. And in the letter that should actually state who that right of appeal is to. They have to state their, their grounds for appeal, and they should also state who the the letter should go to in the event of an appeal. So again, you'd be looking for someone who's not been involved in, in the process up until now um, to, to to hear any appeal, so that that makes sure that it's uh, a kind of fair and, and well, basically a fair and consistent process that, that you follow, on and it's not being it's not being biased. So that that's the kind of process that that you follow. Um, hopefully that has given you some, some good insight into the, the steps that you take um, and as I say I'll, I'll put some notes uh, in, in the show notes and some guidance around that but you know, the key thing for me is just to make sure that you are engaging with your people, uh, as I said earlier prevention is definitely better than, than cure and a lot of these issues could perhaps be avoided uh, and it's just about trying to have these kind of open and honest conversations with with your employees So thanks for listening. um, If you've got any questions in relation to disciplinary or any aspect of HR, you can contact me on Twitter. My username there is at the HR booth. You can also email me and my email address is alistair.booth at the HR booth. or you can also contact me via the company website and that is www.thehrbooth.co.uk so thanks again for listening and if you've got any questions in relation to the the contents of today's podcast feel free to get in touch